Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday the 4th of October with me, Bernadette Anderko. As usual today, we'll be bringing you up to speed with the latest events in the financial markets and uh, Roman Canciani is joining us to do that today. And then with bond yields rising to historic highs this week, I'm delighted to have Dario Messi on the show today to try and help us make sense of this. It's not just US Treasuries selling off, but Japanese government bonds too, and we've seen an impact on both the dollar and the yen. So Tim Gage is joining us two days earlier than usual to give us his insights into the FX and metals markets. Let's get going with the markets wrap. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, when I look at yesterday's scoreboards across the markets, unfortunately, I'm, I'm seeing a sea of red once again. But before we get into details... Why don't we quickly follow up on what happened in Europe yesterday? Um, Inflation is a hot topic currently, and I saw that we had inflation numbers for Switzerland coming out yesterday. They were pretty benign, weren't they? Yes, uh, that's right. Swiss inflation figures for September were only slightly higher than the previous month, coming in at 1.7% year-on-year against expectations of 1.8%. And core inflation, which excludes some of the more volatile elements such as uh, energy, came in even lower than the expected 1.5% at uh, 1.3%. That's certainly a positive figure, but it's probably too early to declare victory uh, in the fight against inflation in Switzerland too. Most economists, including the Swiss National Bank, expect inflation to rise to 2% or more in the coming month due to rising energy prices and rents and a VAT hike uh, uh, and more. Uh, For the time being, however, The markets do not expect the Swiss central bank to raise interest rates again this year, and our economists agree. So that was the good news from yesterday. Okay, um, so let's delve into yesterday's trading action then. What's uh, going on in global equity markets? Well, from a global macro perspective, it's still all about rising U.S. yields. Investors are becoming increasingly concerned about the relentless sell-off in U.S. treasuries, especially at the longer end of the yield curve, so looking at maturities between 10 and uh, 30 years. This morning, 10-year U.S. treasury yields are trading at around 486, almost 75 basis points higher than at the beginning of September, while 30-year yields are rapidly approaching the 5% mark, currently trading at 499. Still, rate hike expectations actually have not changed much, although the odds of another hike this year in the US are now back above 50%. However, higher interest rates and now greater political uncertainty following the ousting of Kevin McCarthy as a Speaker of the House in the US to have an impact on equity market valuations. Okay, speaking of which, can you just wrap up the market action in the US then, please? Uh, Yes, of course. Well, the trading day started with a bit of a shock as US job creation data beat all forecasts, uh, rising to 9.61 million in the US in August, almost a million more than expected. While job creation is usually a good sign for an economy, this time it only added to investors' unease. Uh, On the one hand, they hear a unified and strong central bank message, insisting time and again that inflation needs to come down to 2% and that rates need to stay higher for longer. On the other hand, they see a resilient US economy with a very healthy but overall slightly slowing labor market uh, and this combined with a growing budget deficit. So it just doesn't add up for equity markets. So they expect monetary policy to be too restrictive for too long. So volatility is back uh, with the VIX index, which measures the implied volatility of the S&P 500 stocks over the next 30 days, back at around 20 points for the first time since May this year. 
As a result, the S&P 500 index uh, closed the day down nearly 1.5%, with only the energy sector posting a positive performance on the day, while consumer discretionary, interest rate sensitive real estate and uh, technology all lost nearly 2%. And the Dow Jones Index, which measures the performance of the nation's leading industrial companies, has turned negative for the year, losing 1.3% yesterday. Meanwhile, the US dollar has rebounded against most of its peers, uh, but uh, I'll leave that discussion to Tim later on in this podcast. Okay, and uh, what's the picture in uh, Asia this morning then, Roman? Well, the uh, rise in U.S. yields is also having an impact on Asian markets, pushing up borrowing costs, uh, weighing on currencies and driving equities further down. So in Japan, five-year government bond yields are back to their highest levels in a decade. And the Bank of Japan, the Central Bank of Taiwan and the Bank of Indonesia all seem to be thinking about stepping in to support their currencies or, in the case of Japan, adjusting their monetary policy. So while the Chinese onshore markets are closed for the Golden Week holiday, Japan is leading the Asian markets lower this morning, having just closed the day down more than 2%, and Hong Kong is also down around 1% as we speak. Okay, so I guess it's going to be another one of those uh, nail-biting trading days in uh, Europe and the US today, right? And... um... What do investors need to have a close eye on today, Roman? Yeah, well, let's start with the obvious. There's a raft of data due out of the US today, including another set of employment data with the ATP uh, employment figures due out just after 2 p.m. our time. Uh, But what the market is really focusing on to find out more about the current state of the US labor market is the non-farm payrolls figures, which will only be released on Friday. Otherwise, European Central Bank President uh, Christine Lagarde will be speaking at a conference in Frankfurt. And in terms of European data, PMI data is expected for from Germany and France this morning. And uh, last but not least, it's uh, the first trading day today for Sondo, the generic drugs unit spun off by Swiss pharma company Novartis. That's it from me. Thank you very much, uh, Roman, for updating us on a nail-biting number of trading sessions there. Thank you for having me, Bernadette. So now we've got Dario here from uh, Fixed Income Research. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. I think we need to kick off the bond market section of the show uh, with this uh, bond market route. I mean, it seems like there's no limit to the upside in bond yields at the moment, Dario. Yeah, uh, yeah. at the moment it really feels like this. Uh, almost every day uh, we got a new headline of a new uh, multi-year record level broken. Um, as Roman mentioned it before with the 10-year US Treasury, uh, this week, this week, it's really all about the labor market and uh, the first impulse uh, we got already yesterday that confirmed this kind of higher for longer narrative uh, for the Fed. And this one is really still pushing yields higher uh, recently. Um, Roman mentioned it. The next big test here will be then on Friday when we get more insights uh, from the from the U.S. job report there. But medium term, we think that the key risk remains still also the fiscal outlook. Um, the decision here got postponed in the U.S., but uh, certainly not cancelled. Now, if we think about it, I mean, these moves are certainly painful for bond investors. But I think we also need to be aware that s- such a shift at the end of the day also means this better forward-looking returns by be- by definition at the end uh, with uh, assets not defaulting. So in essence, what, what this means for us is that we would still keep adding some exposure at these yields. Um, specifically in investment grade debt. And we also think that there is no need for for riskier segments at these levels 
um, because this is certainly something uh, highly leveraged companies they will have they will definitely have an issue uh, with this higher real cost of capital. Okay, so if uh, if we move now across to Europe, um, last week's data releases are showing a cool down on on many, if not all, fronts, aren't they? Yeah, indeed. Uh, we had um, incoming data there, which uh, really shows how the eurozone economy is cooling off quickly. Uh, and as you said, on all fronts, uh, we had the monetary aggregates. These reflect that the transmission mechanism of this tighter monetary policy is working very well. Um, so we have uh, credit dynamics that continue to slow sharply. And this also means that excess liquidity is decreasing. Um, what we also had is uh, economic sentiment indicators. They also confirmed the ongoing slowdown uh, with the service sector finally also signaling some weakness ahead. And then I think the most important bit here um, was uh, inflation um, picture that we got. Uh, it showed that this disinflation process is really gathering pace in the Eurozone. And also, uh, not yet at the levels that we uh, heard before from, from Roman, the Swiss levels, but still, uh, it really shows uh, that uh, inflation is coming lower quickly also in the Eurozone now. Okay, so, I mean, we heard it from Roman that the, the, the chances of another hike by the Fed have gone up again, but it sounds that in Europe, the ECB is getting what it wanted with the policy tightening. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. This is also this kind of divergence that we are uh, seeing at the moment uh, between the regions. And yeah, exactly. Altogether, we also think that this should uh, allow the ECB to act much more carefully going forward in, in their rate setting behavior. Um, and in fact, you also had officials already indicating this in the last uh, policy meeting. We had uh, Lagarde uh, telling us that they are already at very restrictive levels. Um, and this also means that the focus now for the ECB will shift from not kind of do we need to hike much further, but rather uh, into the discussion of how long do we need to take or to keep the current stance in such a restrictive territory. Okay, well, thank you for your thoughts there today, Dario. Now it's time for us to move our focus onto the currency and metals action with uh, Tim Gagey. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Bernadette. Um, should we start with the yen? That was whipsawing around last night. Was this an intervention from the Bank of Japan or, or something else, Tim? Oh, so far, nothing has been confirmed. There was certainly some interesting activity, as we saw, and some price action yesterday, just after the break of 150 and dollar yen, we had a drop all the way down to 147.50 with all the crosses following suit. So it certainly felt like something was afoot. However, there was absolutely no follow through. So it certainly does not seem like a shock and door intervention as the move was too short and too shallow. It may have been no more than the Bank of Japan checking rates, which means they asked their main counterparties for indicative prices to buy yen in large size, which is basically DEFCON 2 if we consider intervention to be DEFCON 1. However, it's really very hard for them to intervene when there is so much demand for dollars because of course, it's true that the yen has been sold a lot recently, but the main thing going on right now is dollar buying. And to try and go against such a move would be very expensive. Ideally, we think they would prefer to wait for the dollar to reverse course naturally. But for now, there's not really any sign of that. OK, so then more generally with the dollar, what are the drivers here at the moment? I think the short answer to that question is yield and panic. Good news is good news and all other news is no news. 
As we heard, U.S. House of Representatives uh, Speaker Mick McCarthy has been ousted by his own party. This is the first time in history that's happened. It seems they are desperate to put someone pro-Trump into the role just to make sure we get some smart, long-term decisions made. Did the dollar move one cent on this news? No. Shutdown gets averted, albeit briefly, we buy dollars. Honestly, if shutdown had not been averted, I think we would have bought dollars. U.S. yields are flying, of course, but yields everywhere are flying. Somehow, it's only a good thing for the dollar and nothing else. So we have cable at almost 120, euro dollar below 105, Aussie dollar and Canadian dollar at their lowest levels against the greenback since basically October of last year. It was a time when the Fed were miles ahead of the other central banks. And just before, also, the dollar reversed. Sometimes markets just create and confirm their own moves, gets a snowball going. And this is what's happening here, in my view. It doesn't make all that much sense to me, really. Okay, so I see metals are lower, Tim. What's the outlook there at the moment? Well, it's not great, really. The yield issue here is a much bigger issue because every time in metals, well, any time yields go up in any currency, the differential between that currency and any metal gets wider. So the effective cost of holding that metal gets larger. Gold and silver had taken a real beating already in the last week or so. Silver dropped 10% from Friday's high to today's level, which is remarkable, really. And unfortunately, platinum and even palladium have joined the pity party. It seems there really is no escape from the dollar buying, no matter where you look. I think there's probably a good opportunity here in platinum, actually. It is on the cheap side, and there is now a major support coming in at 8.25. Gold and silver, however, are less clear. And I think in gold, I'd really prefer to do something, if you do anything, with either a buffer or perhaps some sort of downside protection, if possible, rather than simply buying it right here. Okay, then uh, lastly, Tim, what should we actually be doing in um, FX and metals at the moment? Well, as I mentioned uh, just now, indeed, I would look cautiously at platinum, but if you don't already have exposure. And same story for gold, really, if you can find some way of protecting yourself against a further drop and an eventual break of 1800. On the FX side, it will surprise nobody to hear that my favourite trade is still long sterling against the Swiss franc. Carry is still about 4% per annum, and spot is still just above 111. All this move and noise Spot doesn't move and you get paid 4% a year to be long one currency against the other. So as long as this range of 110 to 115 holds, this is a fantastic position to be in, even if you don't have any Swiss franc exposure against it. And as long as the market is obsessed with the dollar, I really can't see any reason why the range would break. I wouldn't panic buy dollars here generally, much as I have failed completely to anticipate this rapid dollar strength, I am not willing to throw the towel in quite yet. And if you have some capacity for it and the stomach for it, Selling dollars against, well, euros, sterling, Aussie dollars, it, it looks like the right thing to do, but you need the ability to be patient and possibly absorb further losses. And one thing you don't want to do is overexpose yourself. So I think that's all for me for today. Thank you, Bernadette, for the chat. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I wish everyone an excellent rest of the week. Thanks very much for joining us, Tim, and for your insights as ever. That's it for today's podcast. Um, I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and of course you for listening. And please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back with our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Don't miss it. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. 
Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Baer experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.